Hello, Changemaker. Welcome to the Innovation Room. A place for business leaders, change agents, and change champions. Anyone who wants to know where digital transformation is taking us. A place that sparks ideas. And explores what's really possible with software and technology. Ready? Let's see what's happening. Specialists may excel in their specific field, but they often lack the diverse perspectives and cross-disciplinary thinking that are necessary to drive breakthroughs and create new and disruptive technologies. Generalists, on the other hand, have a broad base of knowledge and skills that allows them to connect ideas and find innovative solutions. The rapid pace of technological change in today's world means that even the most specialized skills can quickly become obsolete, making generalists better equipped to adapt and evolve in an ever-changing landscape. Mix French and Spanish, business strategy, entrepreneurship and innovation, and you may come across someone who lives in the innovation space, helping people to do it better together. I am Somaye, CEO of Geeks. Please join me in the innovation room with Dr. Joe North, founder and CEO of the Big Bang Partnership, innovator, author, business coach, and international keynote speaker and facilitator. Hi Joe, welcome to the Innovation Room. Do you want to start with a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. Firstly, thank you very much for having me. It's a real thrill to be here. So I'm Dr. Joe North. I love everything to do with innovation. I work in the innovation space, both in technology and non-tech businesses to help companies innovate and grow. And I just think it is a brilliant field to be in, especially at the moment. On my quest of finding very interesting people in the innovation space, and I came across your profile and I saw, got to know what you do and where you work and the businesses you work with. But do you want to give a bit of a background about how did you get to being in the innovation space? Sure. I've had quite a varied career, actually. So I did modern languages at Oxford. I did French and Spanish and love languages. My my Spanish is better than my French. My French is a bit rusty, but when I'm warmed up, I'm pretty OK. But Spanish, a lot better. So I did a modern languages degree. And then I wanted to really show that I could do other things as well. So I trained to be an accountant for a couple of years. And having done that, I decided I wanted to learn more about people and leadership and management because that was one of the areas that you study when you're training to to be an accountant. And I contacted ASDA and popped in to see them and they offered me a job as their HR manager in stores. This was a long time ago. And then I thought, I'm not really very good at selling So I applied for a sales manager job in a publishing company and got that and learned how to sell. And I've just really kept moving. I think I really started to get into innovation per se when after the sales role, I decided I wanted to learn more about marketing and joined a national supermarket group. And through being constantly promoted, got the role of their sort of head of product development and innovation. And that's where the innovation journey began. Would you say people in innovation space are more generalist? And you got into that because you started becoming a generalist because you tried different areas of the business or is it not fair perception? I didn't actually realise I was an innovator until after that role. I then became a commercial director for a transport group and then their national sales and marketing director and chief of staff for about 20 or so transport companies. And I started to do my MBA and one of the modules there was creativity and innovation. And that's where it all made sense. That's where everything helped me and my modus operandi, the things I love, how I was working, 
dropped into place for me really so I think it's not necessarily about being a generalist because I actually got quite expert in in the individual areas that I worked in and got qualified it's about joining the dots I think that's what innovators do really well they see links and connections between things that aren't obvious to other people and then they do something with it as our tradition, we ask our guests who would they have in the innovation room. We could go fictional or real. <laughs> so go ahead, tell us who would you have in the innovation room if you wanted to do some innovation work. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I would invite this person in, but not because they were around when I was young. I was, I'm actually a little bit younger than when they were really famous. So I like them in retrospect. And this is David Boeing. I love the fact that he really deliberately went out to create something that stood out, was actually quite shocking, not not dangerous or bad or anything like that, but just that really got people's attention and used different genre and the craftsmanship. If you can combine creativity with great craftsmanship or skill, I think that's an awesome combination. So I would love to invite David Bowie in. Very nice. If we tap into your the work you have done in the innovation space, because I know you work with a lot of businesses, would you see a difference between different size of organisation when it comes to innovation? Do they behave differently? It's a really interesting question. So I work in all sorts of sectors. I work in nuclear, utilities, maritime, rail, technology overlaid with all of that, retail, financial services, the university sector, public sector, government departments with small entrepreneurs. So I have a really diverse set of clients and what I see actually is that people have more in common than they do that's different. There are some specific challenges of running a small business for instance but actually those challenges although they might have different nuances are very similar challenges for huge global organisations as well. Can you give some examples of, of the type of challenges or the type of clients that you work with and what type of innovations they are they're up to? Yes. So I actually work with, for instance, a number of high-end engineering businesses or businesses that are in the engineering sector. So as I say, nuclear, oil and gas and other utilities. And what they're aiming to do is to find ways of doing things, of solving real challenges, difficult problems that there is no straightforward answer to. One of the things that we do is we look to widen the area of expertise because sometimes we can actually know too much. And that narrows our field of vision. So by inviting other people with different areas of expertise to bring that expertise and really do multidisciplinary innovation and work together through through sprints um, and problem solving, we come out with some really great and really interesting solutions. That's very interesting because a lot of people will talk about traction. If you want to have traction, you have to be very focused and you have to be very driven. Whereas innovation is a bit messy and the more messy and chaotic you make it in a way of having some sort of discipline in that chaos that that to me that's a bit of a challenge of how do you convince people to collaborate with people from different parts and see the value of if you really want to innovate you need collective intelligence you need to draw on other people's skill sets especially the people who do not necessarily know what you do and they could bring a completely different perspective. I think the first thing to do is to 
make the challenge non-context specific. I was facilitating, emceeing an event recently, and at that event was Steve Rader, who has got his own consultancy and he also works at NASA. The example he gave was crisp manufacturer wanted to get more oil off the crisp and the way they did this was by putting it into a vibrating tray to shake off the oil but it's only very subtly vibrating but it was that was still the method and what happened was the crisps were uh, getting damaged when the tray was vibrating so they needed another solution now what you could do is set a challenge and ask people to help with how do we take oil off our crisps without them getting broken in the process instead what the organization did so we want to remove an oily substance from a very fragile surface what's the best way to do that so making the context non-specific and actually the winning solution was to do it through acoustic vibration and it was suggested by a classical violinist so this is interesting it is isn't it it's fascinating so if we can open up the challenge and realise that it's it's sometimes quite often a non-specific, it's specific but non-specific at the same time challenge, put it into language that others understand and then open that up because there are people working on similar challenges in different environments or different disciplines elsewhere. And the, the Sellafield Nuclear Game Changers programme, I've worked with some of their facilitators to help. And that's an incredible programme. What, what do you do? Because I know you facilitate, you, you facilitate yeah. some innovation workshops. Can you, can we go into, we talked about innovation being a chaotic, so the more chaotic and messy you make it to some extent, the better result you're going to get. Can you put process in, does innovation have a process? I'm biased because I have a process for innovation, but do you... Do you think innovation has a process and has a structure and where the chaos sits within that structure? Yes, I think there needs to be. Otherwise, all we would have is creativity without the purposeful innovation at the end. So for me, innovation is you're doing something, you're creating, building, shaping something that has a purpose and it's going to be useful to somebody. And to get it to that stage, that's why we need the process. Now, how do we define process? Because that's an interesting question in itself, isn't it? And I think a lot of people think your process is you do this and then you do this and then you do the next thing. And of course, the reality of innovation is that uh, you, you move forward and and then you've got to go back again a few steps and then you're moving forward again because this thing hasn't been, it's not like a let's have a process for invoicing people or buying our stock or whatever. Um, we're going into the unknown. That's the definition of innovation. So through the process, uh, we're, we're constantly going through what the design council calls the fog of uncertainty. So we think we've got it. We think we know what we're doing. We set off and uh, on our journey of innovation. And then we realise that we don't know quite as much as we thought we knew. And there are some problems to encounter that we hadn't considered. And we need to stop, rethink, go again and just keep trying to move forward. Yes, we do need process, but it's not in that really stringent, structure, overly structured way. But we need process to keep it moving forward. And from your experience of working with so many different businesses who do innovate, how long normally it takes businesses to create something innovative? It depends on the business. So there are businesses that are constantly refining updating or launching new things they've got product portfolios and they're pretty slick in terms of of how they do it they tend to be what i would call product development or market development innovation activities but when we're creating something really new then that can be a while i don't think it needs to take as long as people think if people use the methodology of lean agile innovation 
Mm. where you do a bit test it go again do a bit test it go again test test and learn and fail fast and repeat then I think what I see is companies getting there faster what's the understanding of innovation is fail fail learn from the failures and then succeed so what's the tolerance because I think that's where that's one of the we're talking about barriers to innovation that's one of the barriers that people think innovation should result in a successful product or something that has been created whereas one school of thought is no that the lessons you learn from not achieving what you thought you're going to achieve that's a success on its own because that's how you're moving forward with what's the tolerance of the or tolerance threshold for the businesses you work with it depends on the business and the sector and the size and the attitude, risk aversion versus gunkoism. Okay, let me, just, yeah. let me put you more, more on the spot. Like yeah, what's, no, the most, ask... what's the most risk averse industry? Because we don't want to name businesses necessarily. Yeah. But what's the most risk averse and resistant to innovation industry you've come across? And what's the least and like really keen to innovate and they do a lot and we're talking about UK we're not talking about the whole Mm. the whole world yeah so the most (laughs) resistant would be public sector organizations and I think because it's a way of working not used or not learning about innovation necessarily and recent times and changes in the external environment have meant that they've had no choice but to change how things are done. And of course, it goes without saying that COVID's really accelerated that. Yeah. So I can see the public sector becoming more and more open to innovation in their inside their own organisations, which is great. There are organisations and industries that are heavily regulated and often regulation will be, oh, we're very regulated, we can't innovate. And that's nonsense. Of course, we need to keep in line with and compliant with regulation, but it's no reason not to innovate. There's plenty of space to innovate with. And I think as the nuclear industry is doing a super job of being really innovative in a a highly safety critical environment. Oil and gas are very innovative in a highly safety critical environment. So are maritime. So it can be done. And I think you asked about the tolerance to failure. And what businesses should do, in my view, is look at, so yes, all failure and learning is great, but can you afford to keep failing? And well, if you're not, if you're not learning, then <laughs> you're yeah. probably not. Yeah. Even if you can afford to, even if you want to learn the lesson, but you can't afford to learn the lesson, there is a question there of should you and I think it's about risking on innovation what you can afford to lose and being really clear about that and having a clear business case for your innovation in that it's something that either customers will want or that you need internally before you even start the process. So if you want to take top three barriers to innovation what would that be and is it the shared barrier in different industries different or you would identify different barriers for different type of businesses or different industries on barriers I often will ask businesses to do a diagnostic and different people in the same businesses to do the same diagnostic and regardless of the size of business the industry the sector where they are in the world it really doesn't matter the three things I'm getting over and over again then I'll give you two bonus ones after that but the three core things are time money and know-how And for me, I'll go through those, but for me, they are superficial barriers in many cases. So the first one, time. I haven't got time, too busy doing the day job. There's just not enough hours in the day. Sometimes that's genuinely the case. Our time is hours to to do more. We have more agency over how we use our time, I think, than we think. And time is often an excuse 
that's covering up actually I don't know how to do this I don't know if it'll work I haven't really thought about it so time is often a shorthand sometimes it's a genuine reason sometimes it's a shorthand we should all have time to innovate because innovation needs to be in the DNA of every single business regardless of age size sector because did you say that because you have a PhD in innovation and you're a bit biased about innovation I say that because I share that with you because I'm very I feel if you don't innovate you especially mm-hmm. in the current world with all the pace of change if you don't innovate you're going to you're going to get you're going to die as a business basically yeah, it's, but, it's but, com- but why would you say that yeah it's common sense isn't it because the and I'm with you absolutely with you on this the with innovation the, the reason why I think it should be in people's DNA, in the DNA of a business is that the world is constantly changing that means customers needs are changing and competitors will be changing their activity so if a business doesn't keep up with that and keep staying fresh and relevant and delivering what their customers' needs are. The customers' needs of, from, for today are very different in many sectors from what they were last year or two or three if years I ago. If I play a bit of devil advocate, yeah. why would everyone need to innovate? Why would they not wait for somebody else to do their hard bit? Because innovation is hard and it's investment, it's the kind of mentality and the team and every everything around it. Yeah. Why would they go through the length of okay. innovating in the first place? So I think that that sounds like copying to me. Yeah. There are cases for that. And we think of innovation as being the big disruptive things all the time. And it's not. Innovation is like an iceberg. Most of it is under the water. We can't see it. The vast majority of innovation in businesses is incremental. It's small improvements. It's tweaking things as we go to make it better and better. We should always be doing that. That should be continuous innovation. About 14, 15% of innovation in businesses is differential. That's mean it's there to stand out from the competition. So if you're only copying what the competition are doing and maybe doing it a bit cheaper, then that's not real differentiation. So if you want to be really stand out, competitive and perform very well, you need to you need your business to differentiate. There's got to be a clear value proposition, why people should buy from you instead of anybody else. And then the very smallest percentage is right at the top of that iceberg. And they're the Ubers, the Airbnb, the big disruptive changes the apple music changes the face of the whole industry netflix and i really like how you separated the disruptive innovation and the normal yeah. incremental innovation and i and i when i talk to our clients we always talk about that like you you don't know which one of your incremental innovations are going to be that disruptive innovation that is going to change change the whole industry because because there there is an element of being in the right place at the right time for those things to happen but the incremental innovation is what keeps you at the edge of your market and keeps makes you as strong you might not become a unicorn but you will be a very stable strong yeah. growing business yeah and you don't need the economy doesn't need unicorns absolutely and I think with the incremental innovation this is what we're going back to the 80s now but this is what made companies like Toyota Nissan and others and they're still doing that today is actually combining lots of incremental innovations to create products that are super competitive and super valued by the target customer in my top list there's time number one coming in at number two is money I can't afford to do it now often businesses just haven't really costed 
what they properly, what they think the innovation will take. And even if you don't know exactly, it's about sitting down and looking at it and having a best guess and getting some estimates in and guessing how much time you'll need and all of those things. And to overcome that perception of money, we're back to, guess what, the test fast, fail fast, learn fast method where you're spending the minimum with an MVP a minimum viable product or proposition and you're learning from that. Now that de-risks the innovation and it makes it really accessible financially to do. We did not rehearse this bit, but it's very interesting. The three top things that you're talking about is what we have based. So if you take the innovation into the tech space, which is what we do at Geeks, we have identified those three and that's how we have created one of our one of our innovation, which is the visual spec that is helping the businesses to have answers to the time investment needed and what are the features that they want to include in their digital product or digital solution they are are creating. So it's very interesting that exactly what you're saying is what we have applied to the innovation in the tech. And it comes back to what you were saying about process, right? So if you've got a good innovation process, you will be able to have decision gates at key points in terms of we've tested this. Is it worth going forward to the next stage and investing a bit more money to get? So combining this with process and thinking and risk and doing a bit of work up front. Again, it doesn't need to be super accurate. Um, Third one is know-how. And this is often by people saying we haven't got the time or the money. And sometimes what they mean is we don't know where to start and we don't know how to do it. And a very simple process for this is to work out the, the areas that you don't know how to do write them down think about is there anybody in your network in your organization wherever that you think could help you with those gaps and if not start specking out what you're looking for and go and find it there is enough know-how in the world out there it's never been more accessible than it is today how shouldn't stop us doing something if we don't know let's ask somebody who does you said you've got two bonuses yeah the bonus two has been interlinked really and they are motivation and complacency Interesting. So we the bonuses are behavioural yes. rather than behavioural and actually what's in between in between our ears. Yeah. <laughs> so the motivation is about sometimes we like the idea of something, but not the level of effort or risk or discomfort in having to apply ourselves to get that thing. And I know organisations that have talked about innovating, not ones I've directly worked with, because if they really want to do it, we make it happen. Yes. For ages and then nothing ever happens. It gets to a point and then it drops off. My question there for any organisation that's saying we struggle to get our innovation done is, do you really want to do it? We will make time we will we will part seas, we will create miracles. If something matters to us, if we really care about it, we will find a way. Barriers are there to be broken through. So if you really want to get there, you will break through barriers. Exactly. And that's the hallmark of a great innovator, a great entrepreneur, is that they keep going through. And on the fifth one, which is complacency, the barrier here is that there is no immediate, clear, compelling need to innovate. So let's stay comfortable. Let's talk the innovation game, but let's not walk the talk. That one is really interesting because I have seen businesses that do a really good innovation. They have managed to sell it, being sustainable and getting it out there in the market. And that makes them complacent because they would be like, we have done it, it's working. There's no need to change it. There's no need to spend more time and more money on it Mm. because it is working. So that's like you innovate, but that could become the danger 
of its own to make yes. it not innovative yeah. anymore. Yeah, and I see this so many times with smaller businesses where they've been founded on a great idea that was really right for its time. And the founder is the leader, still involved in the business. But then there's no serial innovation. They're resting on the laurels of what was great back then. And they it's almost like they had a great idea that they made happen, but they don't know how they got a great idea or how they made it happen. So therefore they can't, they don't know how to repeat it. Of course they can repeat it, but they don't, they haven't worked out their formula for repeating it. And so they keep doing what they're doing and fall into that complacent space, which of course is if you get complacent like HMV, Blockbuster Video, Woolworths and all those other brands, then unfortunately look what happens, which is all the more reason why innovation should be in every business's DNA. So Joe, it was really nice to have you in the podcast, but is there any final word of wisdom on how to break through the barriers of innovation to succeed? Yeah, thank you for having me today. I've loved it. I think the words of wisdom are that let's replace failure with learning and let's replace failure with growth. It's not about getting everything right first time. Let's give things a go. And also let's give things a go in terms of stepping into our own space and claiming it and speaking our truth and, and you know being who we are and bringing our passion to the world i think i think with the energy and positivity that matters so much the influencing skills to get an innovation moving forward not just off the ground but to keep it going and deliver it if there's an innovation if somebody's out there with an innovation or an idea they're really passionate about go for it and i'd be really happy to help anybody to do that just as a friend I'd love people to check out my YouTube channel, The Big Bang Partnership, because I've got lots of free innovation resources and I go live on YouTube and LinkedIn. If people would like to contact me, connect with Dr. Joe North on LinkedIn and I'll be there. I've also got loads of free resources at the Big Bang Partnership website. So go to bigbangpartnership.co.uk slash resources, download all the stuff that you like. There's plenty there and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. I'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us in the Innovation Room. We hope it sparked some ideas. Want to learn more about what we do? Maybe you could even be our next guest. And spark some ideas yourself. Find us at Geeks Limited. And join us again soon. Because real change never stops.